Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I want to thank Don for becoming our latest supporter on Patreon. If you love this show, please support it. Also, if you're on a business or a tourist service and you want to sponsor an episode or two or more, send us an email at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com to get the conversation going. You can also always visit thebittersweetlife.net for links to donate or to get in touch with us. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, if you haven't yet listened to our episode last week about journaling, episode number 463, you might want to listen to that one first because we're going to be doing a little follow-up on that. We received quite a few comments in response to our episode of asking the question, basically, what to do with the journals. If you're a journaler and you're trying to downsize your home, sometimes journals are the hardest thing in the world to get rid of or know what to do with because they contain big personal thoughts and self-revelations and also sometimes things you don't want other people to read. And many of you responded with some interesting comments and so we thought we would start there and then move on. So I wanted to start with this comment, which is sort of the anti what we were talking about, about how hard it is to get rid of a journal because of how much it contains. This is a comment from Nikki on Facebook. She wrote, currently it's the one thing, and by it's she means the journals. Currently it's the one thing I don't actually keep. I find that once I write stuff down, I am free. It's so easy for me to let go. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> I know. That's what I, that's what I wrote. I'm like, love that. Wow. It must be therapeutic for her to write. And that's why she does it as opposed to trying to remember things or record things. Yeah. Or kind of like what we were talking about with the artist way in the morning pages. And sometimes you're just writing three pages of garbage and you can just rip it off the top of the pad and throw it into the trash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's most of the time for me. <laughs> and then we have another comment on Facebook from Betsy who wrote, I just read through about three-fourths of my journals. I threw away a few that were business-oriented and then tried to fit them into one box. It's not happening. It was interesting to read those words that I had written and found out, looking back, I had somehow made all of the right moves. Some decisions were agonizing, but it has all worked out so well. Mm, that must be very empowering i know to, to look, read back through all of your agonizing journals and realize that every time you were facing a decision you made the right choice for yourself that's a pretty uh it's huh? impressive yeah it's a pretty it's pretty impressive it's pretty impressive we also heard from diane by email bittersweetlifepodcast yes, at gmail.com tiffany do you want to read what diane had to say absolutely Hi, Katie and Tiffany. I loved this topic of what to do with all the journals. I just had to write to you about my own experience. I started keeping a diary the summer I was 16 years old when I was dating the guy who I would soon recognize as my soulmate. I think it was a way to capture the magic of that summer and be able to relive all those memories whenever I wanted. I think I hid it under my mattress because there were things in it that would have made my mother's head spin. For many years, I felt compelled to document my life. 
I now have 30 years worth of diaries. I'm not sure where the compulsion originated, but I kept with it through the rest of my dating years, through my 19-year marriage, unfortunately not to the soulmate, and raising two children. Somewhere near the end of my marriage, I transitioned to blogging under a fictitious name. I still felt a need to document my life and express my complicated feelings, but wanted zero chance of it being found out and possibly held against me. That was an interesting experiment in that I was getting feedback for the first time, as well as support from people who didn't know me. I felt validated. So why did I stop? Honestly, it had become a lot to keep up with. I was a newly single 43-year-old woman who wanted to catch up on some of the fun I thought I'd been missing. I figured it was time to start writing about life and start living it. And so I did. Within a few years, I was preparing to move my younger daughter and myself from a small town in Ontario, Canada to Los Angeles. Moving 2,000 miles and across country lines demands a major paring down of belongings. At $2 a pound, the moving company's shipping cost, I had to think very carefully about what to take and what to leave behind. You betcha those diaries were coming with me. Honestly, there was no question in my mind. I feel like they're a part of me. I wrapped up that box of diaries in what seemed like an entire roll of packing tape and said a prayer for their safe delivery. If I could have taken them on the plane with me, I would have. While living in LA, I had the inspiration for a novel based on my life. I certainly had a lot of resource material. The story surrounding the soulmate had never left me. And in fact, it and he had woven in and out of my life in curious ways over the years. That connection and what I learned from it became the foundation for the theme of my book. I occasionally used my diaries to refresh my memory and to feel those times as deeply as I once had, which was the best. I spent the next four years writing on my days off at hipster coffee shops, as well as at my kitchen table. The book was about half done. In 2018, I wrapped that same box of diaries with a new roll of packing tape and moved back east to be near my family again. I'm happy to say that my past made it back to me intact, but I'm disappointed that I still haven't finished my novel. Honestly, I've felt much less inspired to write since leaving LA, but that's a different story. However, there may come a day when the novel is completed, if not by me, then maybe by my younger daughter. She was the first person I'd told of my inspiration, and she's been supportive all along. I jokingly told her that if I don't finish it in my lifetime, I'm leaving it up to her. But I wasn't really joking. The provision has already been formalized in my will. She will get the manuscript and the diary someday. In your podcast, it was discussed that leaving one's journals to someone can be a very tricky matter. Obviously, they may not mean anything to most people and are likely not appropriate for some family members. But how thankful I am not to have that question lingering. As a minimalist, it's a bit strange that I have hung on to all the diaries while I've ditched other seemingly valuable possessions in my cross-country moves. Maybe I relish the thought of my life continuing long after I'm gone. I should also mention that while I don't document my day-to-day -day anymore, I still journal every time I travel. I try to capture the detail of everything in that new place that makes my heart jump or inspires awe, not unlike that magical feeling of the summer I was 16. I suppose these are the moments I like to relive whenever life gets a little bland. Thanks for reading and thanks for the great episodes. Cheers, Diane. Yeah, wow. <laughs> for her, it's it's actually kind of the opposite of Nikki. It's The journals are perhaps the most precious object objects <laughs> um that she has yeah and i mean just reading that email the way that her email which i'm i'm guessing she just sort of dashed off has its own narrative arc mm -hmm. you can tell that that she's a writer yeah you can really i can really hear 
her writer's voice just in this email. Diane, I hope you're continuing your book. I hope you pick it back up because just from this email, I can tell you're a good writer. Is your daughter also a writer? Because if I opened, if I opened the will and it was like, here's all my journals, please complete my novel. I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a bit of a big um, undertaking. It's a, it's a big responsibility. No, I was, my interest was piqued by this mention of how this soulmate had woven back in and out of her life in curious ways. So yes, who is this soulmate and what happened with him? Yes. And is he single? This is the important thing. Is he still single? And is he back East? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. And why didn't she uh, hook up with him in the first place? uh, You know how it happened to him. 16. (laughs) So common that you let the best, those early ones, you don't realize, you don't see how special they are and you let them go because you're 16 and you think, there's a whole sea full of fish. You realize you've got the best one at 16. Not that that's my experience, but I've heard <laughs> other people say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike also, Mike, who originally instigated our topic about downsizing weeks and weeks ago, also wrote, he wrote on um, both Instagram and he sent an email and he said, finding a collection of diaries of women on the Oregon Trail was thrilling as I discovered one of my ancestors had contributed For genealogists, such diaries provide valuable information about day-to-day living by different generations, even when they're written by regular people. You should pass them on, is basically what his advice is. Whether or not you think it's valuable, pass it on for the genealogists at the very least. Yeah, but, but but I have to interrupt here. Okay. Back in the time of the Oregon Trail, there was not a lot of documentation. You know what I mean? These diaries were incredibly valuable because, you know, there are probably not a lot of photographs that those, you know, people were taking of each other, probably none. Um, There, you know, there was, you know, no one's writing up their story for the local paper. So there's just hardly anything out there. There's no social media. They're not being like posting on Facebook, like today I'm here, I'm doing this. Now we have, I mean, we have this overload of information now. I mean, there are so many bloggers out there, so many people just on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram documenting every single aspect of their life. There's so much video out there that I don't feel like the diary. I mean, I think diaries are wonderful, but I don't feel like they offer the same level of value as they once did because you don't need to read my diary to find out like what kind of toilet paper people you were using in 2023 you're gonna know because it's documented because everything is documented now Mm -hmm. it's an interesting point and i mean i guess it would depend on if there comes a time when things that are written down become more somehow more valuable again than the stuff that's in the digital world. I hope so. I mean, that said, though, they say that like, you know, another couple generations and it's possible people won't be able to read script handwriting anymore. I don't believe that. Not in Italy. It's not going to happen in Italy. They drill that cursive into the little (laughs) kids. Let me tell you, maybe in the States, my nephew, when he was over here, he's like, I never learned cursive. He's like 15. We never learned cursive at our school. I really was six years old, like sitting there <laughs> writing out three pages of cursive every single day. True. But just because they do that now, it doesn't mean that they'll do that 30 years from now when... Oh, Italians, the Italian school, <laughs> yeah. school system is like stuck in the 1800s. It does not change. It is a country that likes to use a lot of stamps and like stickers. So, Oh that's... my God. This country is so stuck in the past. I can't even tell you. <laughs> uh, okay. And one more comment to share. Uh, this is from Linda, also on Instagram. 
She says, keep them. I looked at one from 20 years ago and saw the exact same frustration comments about a sibling. Reading it validated my current perceptions. Seeing the past can affect the present in useful ways sometimes. That I do agree with. I think that personally, I think that in our day and age, journals and diaries are most valuable to the people who write them and maybe their descendants for personal reasons. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do agree. I do agree in that case. And uh, I have one of my diaries right here, Katie. Mm -hmm. I pulled it out. Mm -hmm. I was so inspired by your mini episode last Thursday, which if you haven't listened to, go back and listen to it because Katie reads a few excerpts from diaries of years past. And my favorite one was the one from when you were 11. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was so, it was so, you were so, um, what is that expression? You were so beyond your years, old beyond your years. Mm. I just felt like your your commentary was so thoughtful. Like the <laughs> how animals and people are different and how animals are always themselves, even if they're not alone. I just love that. I mean, it was so you. It's also so uh, wishing for the utopia, like wanting things to be better than they are, you know, even as young as uh, age 11. Because I don't know, maybe those those ducks are not being who they are when they're in a big group. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> maybe but they're... you were thinking about it, and I... I can guarantee you I would not have been thinking about it. Well, and I was also relatively new at a new school, and so I'm sure that I was spending a lot of time trying to fit in with kids that were suspicious of who I was and whether or not they wanted me to be a part of their lives. I think, mm -hmm. I think some of that comes from that, but thank you very much. Yes. It was fun. It was fun to go back and uh, read those very secret thoughts in a very locked diary, which I actually had to like rip apart to get it open. Cause I, of course I have no idea where the key is and it was completely rusted from a flood that we had in the basement. <laughs> and so yeah, apparently I kept those thoughts under lock and key, Tiffany. That those were very, um, very important. There was very they were they were personal, very personal thoughts. I think I had a diary like that, a little locked diary. I know my sister did, and I read it sometimes. I had I, I must have had an extra key. I don't know. Maybe our diaries had the same key. I confess, I read my sister's diary a few times. Um, but she was <laughs> a few times. She, to, in my defense, in my defense, she was really mean to me when we were kids. Mm -hmm. She was really mean to me. So she deserved it. Um, I can say that because <laughs> yeah. she's not listening. But um, but I probably have one too. I have no idea where it is. I know I kept a diary when I was about 14, 15, and I was bit by the opera bug. Mm -hmm. um, and that diary was mostly about like how desperately I wanted to be an opera singer. <laughs> Not what you're looking for um, when you're busting into your sister's room and trying to read through her diary. It's like no, her diary was about boys. The love of, of, the yeah, love well, of opera. That's the funny thing. My my diary was about opera. My sister's diary was about a boy. Fair um, enough. But she was three years older, so that's also part of the reason. I did start keeping a diary regularly when I was in grad school, I think. I think that's when I really started my journal practice. I did, that's when I did the, the artist's way. But even before I did the artist's way, I was, I had started journaling last year in col uh, college maybe, and then into grad school. And I pretty much journaled all the way through up until honestly, around the time I met Claudio, I feel like that's when I stopped. 
around that age, mm-hmm. um, or maybe a few years before I met him, maybe my life was just like, all of a sudden my life's not so interesting anymore. I'm, uh, yeah, um, you're like, oh, I'm hidden for marriage. It's all downhill I'm from I'm settled. Here. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> settled. It's just, it's just not interesting. Like nobody's going to care about like, you know, the wallpaper that I'm choosing. But I mean, uh, so you were writing in, in part thinking of some sort of outside reader. Well, let me tell you, Katie, our mutual friend, Suzanne, <laughs> who we talk about a lot on this show, she is also an avid journal writer. We, as young girls who were in the performing arts, which I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like you shared this, but Suzanne and I had delusions of grandeur. We were convinced that our journals would be published one day. Uh-huh. And we started writing letters to each other at about 14, a few years after you and I started writing letters. But our letters that that we wrote to each other were much shorter. They were regular letters, three, four pieces of paper sent in the mail. And we also thought our letter, like our correspondence, more than our journals, we thought our correspondence would be published one day. It's like a book of letters between Zelda and F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. There's a book of letters between Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Robert Browning. We thought our letters would be published. I mean, we didn't really think that, but we kind of, we had this supposition in <laughs> our head. It, it could happen. Yeah. You wrote it with an eye toward the possibility. Exactly. There was always sort of an eye and someone might read this someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that's not the first thought when you sit down to write. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I guess I always thought, you know, as a closet exhibitionist that someone would read my silly little thoughts. Well, and on Thursday's mini episode this week, Tiffany, you are going to be sharing some of those journalistic thoughts. Are you not? You're going to like well, me, you're going to dig through and find one or I'm two. I'm going to dig through. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't have any of my journals pre-2003 because they're all at my mom's basement or something. So none of my young, young stuff, unfortunately, will I be able to report. But I will, I'll dig out a few passages from 2003 up to the present, although I don't have much from recent years. Well, to round this episode out, since I mentioned and you just mentioned, actually, I mentioned in the mini episode and you mentioned in this episode that you and I used to write epically long letters that we called purple letters, uh, mainly because Tiffany was obsessed with the color purple when we were kids. And so I don't know how we started deciding that the letters... I know how it started. Okay. You wrote the first one. Yeah, I wrote it in and a And you wrote it, you wrote it with the purple pen, wasn't it? With no, purple no. Pen it was a purple notebook. It was a notebook with purple paper, I believe. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. You started the, the purple letter tradition, I believe, at least the tradition of writing it in a notebook. I think I wrote you a long letter in the sense of it was eight or nine pages, mm-hmm. but it was loose pieces of paper. And then you said, I'm going to up this. I'm going to up your game, Tiffany. I'm going to write, I'm going to fill an entire notebook and give it to you. Right. And that was technically the first purple letter. And if you were listening to that mini episode and you heard Katie write in her journal, my friend Tiffany Parks, who wrote me a hundred page letter, no, you did not hear wrong. That (laughs) is right. It was a hundred pages. But when you think of it as being a hundred pages of small writing, that is also not true. It is, uh, I believe the letter I was referring to was all loose leaf notebook paper and and at the time, we would write news, but we would also include games and stickers activities. and activities that the other person had to complete. So it's not like a dense novel that she's sending me. It's a. Do you remember? We also used to get our because we didn't go to the same school. We only went to the same school in sixth grade, which was the year we met. And then from seventh onward, we were at different schools. And I don't know if you remember, Katie, but we used to get our friends that the other mm-hmm. one didn't know and have them write a few paragraphs or a few pages. Yeah, for sure. 
Yes, I remember. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought sort of to round this episode out, I have your purple letter da, 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 in my hand here that, that you started writing when you first got to Rome. And I didn't Ooh. even realize that I had this, to be honest. But that was the <laughs> I didn't timing. even remember that I wrote it. Here, until you pulled it out years right before. into the show, <laughs> we find that <laughs> Katie owns a notebook that documents Tiffany's very beginning in Rome. Do you remember the exact day that you got to Rome? 2004? Uh, September. It was September. I left Boston on September 21st. I arrived on September 22nd. So this notebook begins on September 29th, 2004. So just okay. a, a mere few days into a week, really into it. Yeah. I thought I would uh, skip, however, this first entry and read you the next one because it's got a little bit more drama. Okay. Unless you want me to give you the background. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Go for the drama. All right. All right. All right. All right. So here we go. This is from October 3rd, 2004. And remember, since this is not a journal entry, I have never reread this and I have no clue because Katie pulled this notebook out. <laughs> right before we started taping and i didn't even remember i wrote it so i have no idea what it's gonna say right and and i like i wanted to read this because from the very beginning the conceit of this show and i by the way also can say that i have not read all this all the way through because i just pulled it out before we started doing the show but i wanted to read this part because from the very conceit from the very beginning of this show it was always short-term expat versus long-term expat katie the awkward newbie Tiffany, the experienced, nearly 10-year expat veteran, knew what she was up to, knew, had her act together, was kind of our guide. And here we have a snapshot of what it was like at the very, very beginning. Okay, so this is from October 3rd, 2004. <clears throat> oh, Katie, what am I going to do? I didn't want to start this letter off on a depressing note but I'm afraid I'm going to do so. I am losing my mind. Or at least, if I'm not, I soon will be. <laughs> I am, although I have been here for a full 13 days already, still living with my quote-unquote relatives. I put the term in quotation marks because I can't truly believe that I am related to them. I still have not been able to find an apartment, and I fear I never will. Pessimism has become my only friend. <laughs> I, I love the drama of that, by the way. Pessimism <laughs> has become my only friend. Don't get me wrong. I love this city and this country, but I am going to go mad if I don't get out of this house. They are all insane. I am being held prisoner. Send help. SOS! Exclamation point. Oh, Katie. How can I explain to you exactly how I feel or why I feel this way? It's so much more than homesickness and adjusting to a new way of life. I swear if I were cozily installed in a bright room in an apartment with normal people, I would still be a little homesick, a little scared, missing Luis more than I would like to admit. And this is in uh, parentheses. Yes, yes, Katie, you were right. I shouldn't have seen him, but I did. And it's over. Because that was my ex-boyfriend who we, who we broke up right before I moved here. Just a little background. Yeah, and you must have, I must have told you not to go see him again before you left or something, and you did anyway. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> but I wouldn't be going crazy like I am right now. Oh, get me out of here. Oh, my dear girl, something has happened which should have upset me greatly, slash, interrupted. So I don't know what that was about. <laughs> and then it says later, 
I can see that I'm going to be interrupted for quite a bit until I can get myself out of this house. I can be not bear to write about anything unpleasant today. I will fill you in on all the crazy details of my so-called life when I'm feeling less volatile. So that's how you end that passage. Oh, what was that thing that I said? Oh, what did I say? Oh, my dear girl, something has happened. Oh, my what dear girl, something has just happened, which should have upset me greatly. And then you put a slash mark and it just says interrupted. And then there's a big space. You do wow. continue. You do continue on a couple pages later on the same date. Do you want me to read you that? Well, I guess since it's the same day. Okay, let's see. My darling Katie, pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> pray very hard. Pray that, <laughs> pray that tomorrow <laughs> when I am finally able to go downtown again, that I will at last find a place to move into right away. I'm sure that I will die if I do not. That said, please excuse me for, again for not going in, into any details of my situation here. It is just too painful to dwell on it. I will fill you in when I am far away from this house of horrors. Parentheses. Okay, I'm being a little dramatic. I will admit that. <laughs> um, anyway, let me take this opportunity to tell you how much I enjoyed Purple Letter number 11. So that must have been the letter I wrote to you prior to this one. It was, in a word, fabulous. It made my flight so much more enjoyable. You are right. It was quite serious, as compared to previous letters of our younger, more carefree days, but it still had the same wonderful spirit. A marvelous grown-up Katie, with all the insights and eloquence of a fabulous modern woman, but with all the humor, silliness, and spelling errors of the, girls I've, <laughs> of the girl I've known and loved for a good 15 years at least. Every so often, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or just plain homesick, I get it out and read through bits of it again. I've probably read it all the way through at least three times. Oh my god, Katie, I am going crazy. Ah! Okay, calm, calm. I must stay calm. Don't panic, don't panic. Whatever you do, don't panic. Everything will be fine. And, and then you just sort of start doing, um, you know, fun games because you're trying to do something to calm yourself down. So, we don't really know. Wow. It's like Tiffany's autotherapy in real time. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like this letter was very uh, was a very therapeutic way of me for me to get all of that out. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you're doing it in a way that's kind of fun. Like you're purposely just being this house of horrors. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're being almost cartoonish. It's not like you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is it's a super heightened dramatic way of expressing whatever it was you were going through. Because these letters were in part meant to entertain. It's not just meant to document. So right. I, because I wasn't writing a journal in that moment. I was writing a letter. And I was aware that someone else was going to read this and I want to make it enjoyable for them. And so even if I can't enjoy it, they can at least get a laugh out of it. Yeah, but well, also it's funny because I'm like, I'm like, send help, send help. And I'm like, this is an entire notebook that I'm planning to <laughs> fill before I see you. <laughs> and something we might explore sometime later is you don't actually finish this notebook until 2010. So I, I had no idea <laughs> you needed help. <laughs> uh, right before we started taping, Katie stumbled on a page of this notebook in which I guess I picked I picked it up about five years later. I put it down in 2005 and or 2000, I don't know when, and picked it up again. And I wrote like a sentence or two recap of every month of my life for the <laughs> several years. And it was 
we got a lot of laughs, but it was not something that we'd be able to share on the main show. No. Maybe one day on a bonus episode, we could share some of those. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of personal stuff in there. <laughs> a lot. So, yeah, maybe over on Patreon, behind the paywall, we'll explore a little bit of that accelerated timeline that Tiffany, of what she went through in those five years from that moment of asking me to send help. Well, just real quick before we end, do you have one or two thoughts that spring to mind when you hear that back to you? Does it put you in the moment? Can, what What do you picture? I mean, luckily, thank God, it doesn't put me... Like, I don't have such a deep trauma associated with it that I get, you know, the physical feeling mm-hmm. of stress and panic that I had then. That doesn't come back to me, thank God. So it, it's probably not as bad as it sounds. But I can totally remember it was it was horrible. We talked about the situation with those people on a bonus episode. Again, if you want to join us over on Patreon, it's mm-hmm. there. But yeah, I remember part of it was just this feeling of being completely isolated because this was 2004 when most people, I think, in the States had internet at home, but this family did not. And I did not have a cell phone yet, not an Italian cell phone. I, ha- I had had one in, in the States, but I, I had not managed to get an Italian cell phone. And even if I had that, you didn't have internet on your phone in those days. Clearly, I had no friends in Italy, mm-hmm. but I couldn't even con- I couldn't even communicate. You know, these letters and even to a certain extent, my diary, my journal from that period, I sometimes think it wouldn't have existed if it had been 2014 instead of 2004, because I would have been texting. I would have written all this by text. And in some way that would have been better. It would have been, it would have made it a lot easier for me. It would have also made it a lot easier for me to find an apartment if I had had internet there, instead of having to drag myself all the way into town and find an internet cafe and sit down and try to find it. You know, it was extremely difficult to find a place to live. But on the other hand, I feel like all of this great material would not have been, would not have come about because it wouldn't have been necessary. I mean, it is interesting to note that since you and I have done this podcast, I have not written you a purple letter. You haven't. You haven't, but I wrote you one. I know. And I, I and, we, and you gave it to me on the show. Again, it took me years and years to write. I think I started it in 2010, which was the year that this one finished, actually. Um, and I think I gave it to you in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. I, you know, it's your turn, Katie. Here, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> no, you know what? This is a selfish request. I want a purple letter from you yeah but this show i want one this show is like the longest purple letter of all time it's just collaborative (laughs) that's true that's true we need to change our um our color scheme on our logo (laughs) yeah no more orange yeah like what are we doing here yeah Yeah. unfortunately i don't think there's any purple in any caravaggio painting well tune in thursday to hear a few dispatches from more dispatches from tiffany about this particular time this awkward getting to know rome time And also uh, join us over on the Patreon to hear those episodes behind the paywall to find out more about these terrible people that Tiffany was living with and maybe even get a glimpse at this accelerated timeline and some of its secrets in the month of February. We'll see. Yeah. And if you're asking yourself, how do I find your Patreon? You can go to patreon.com. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Bittersweet Life Podcast. And you can see all the different tiers there and um, whatever you can contribute is always greatly appreciated by us. And it makes a huge difference as well. 
to the running of this show and everyone who donates on patreon gets access to bonus episodes really you can decide what is right for you for as little as five dollars a month you can get those bonus episodes every month and find out the things that we won't talk about on the main show (laughs) (laughs) uh all right and until next time thank you so much for your comments your comments on social media your comments by email if any of these instructions about how to donate confuse you you know you can always send us an email and i'll tell you bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye.